0: Howdy everyone, welcome to Unsafe Space, you're watching Dangerous Thoughts with me, a real live curmudgeon, most of the time, not always, I'm Carter, hey peeps in chat, how you doing? Um, All right, today we're going to talk about, it's going to, it might be long, we're going to talk about, well, we're mostly going to focus on the truckers today. Uh, The first thing we're going to do is talk about the rights to protest or occupy, quote, public property. That's been, uh, I think it's a legitimate question that people seem confused about. Um, We'll have some intermittent frivolity after that and take a look at Boston Mayor Michelle Wu's Instagram. Uh, Then we're going to talk about the new emperor of Canada. and, And then we'll do a little ray of hope from the sunny dystopia known as California, where I am imprisoned. First of all, though, if you're new to Unsafe Space, welcome. Uh, we have lots of different series here. We have uh, 451, uh, 451 Degrees, which is uh, about censorship. That's hosted by Alex Maselli. And actually, I think it was on last night uh, with John De La Rose. That was her, her guest. Um, we have a series called Great Reset. We have Coffee Break, which a lot of you know. Um, we're soon going to launch something called Rebel Civics featuring Keith the Hat Guy. And of course, we have this series, which is Dangerous Thoughts. It happens every Wednesday. at 5 p.m pacific this show's not really for normies uh which is why i always recognize most of the names in chat because they're solid solid community members who are (laughs) who are here for the hard work if you have add you'll probably have a little bit of trouble here dangerous thoughts is really for people who are already fighting the culture war or want to start fighting it more effectively uh on the side of reason and individualism obviously um which are the ideas that made. Western culture, superior to what preceded it. I say superior, by the way, uh, because epistemology of reason and individual space ethics are, in fact, uh, superior. And if you're unsure of that, stick around and you'll learn. Also, I think I have uh, an old episode. Um, I have an old episode about how to approach the question of Western culture. Uh, An old episode of this show. And and I have a medium series, a three-part medium series, which I wrote in the wake of the Christchurch shooter thing uh, about how to define the word culture and what's unique about Western culture. Anyway, uh, I also mean made Western culture in the past tense because Western culture has (sighs) become, I don't know, a bit anemic. It's been on a suicidal bender for, I don't know, since its inception probably, and it's in its death throes. Anyway, on Dangerous Thoughts, we practice thinking more deeply so that we can better understand articulate apply and promulgate ideas that help humans to flourish and to thrive right here in reality um so if you're new this might all be overwhelming to you stick around it gets easier and if you're a nerd like me it even gets fun so before we start a couple reminders don't forget to subscribe to unsafe space uh we're on utreon odyssey rumble somewhere i'm forgetting YouTube, obviously, Uh, please also head over to unsafespace.com and uh, you can watch all the shows there. Even the live shows, they're streamed there. We will never censor ourselves, so that will always work. It's a good way to find us. And if you want to support us financially, you can also find out how to do that there. And financial supporters get access to the community Discord server. They can yell at me. Uh, You get your name and credits. Uh, You might get uh, one of these awkward grenade mugs. Where is it? Behind me back there. Anyway, all right. Let's get to the meat of this show. (sighs) Therese says she feels targeted at the ADD stuff. It was directed at you, Therese. So, Therese is one of the ones that's here all the time. All right. Do the truckers have a right to assemble and protest? On government property, on a bridge, on streets, on pub- public property is the word that people are using. The phrase. I think this is worth analyzing because it is a legitimate question, um, and it's one of those questions that a lot of prominent objectivists get wrong. Now, I know most of you aren't objectivists. I don't even consider myself an objectivist, but um, they are, you know, the supposed defenders of individual sovereignty from a point of reason so when they get something wrong uh it's worth pointing out uh and when i say they get it wrong i at least mean ari there's ayn rand institute which is like the major one um other there's others that probably get it right but you know these are the intellectuals that view themselves as kind of the the powerhouses of of reason and uh they can divine what ayn rand would have said Um, They also tend to be easily spooked by rational disagreement and respond with condescension, moral condemnation, and ostracism. So they're a lovely group of people. Um, And even if they are right about their divinations of what Ayn Rand would have said, that doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it the correct argument. Reality and reason are the arbiters of truth, not the ghost or imagined ghost of a dead Russian. Who was great, by the way, but still a ghost. So uh, let's just, I just want to show you an example of some of the things that I've seen coming out of uh, these people. (laughs) Uh, Here's a guy from ARI. I blanked out his name because I'm being polite. Uh, He calls this, so he's criticizing Rand Paul for supporting the trucker uh, protest. And he calls it a violation of individual rights. Anti-business, which to the ARI is a no-no, and freedom blocking. How dare they? Freedom blocking, freedom combo. Those are some serious allegations uh, that this guy has. Those are serious. But he's not alone. This guy's just an employee of ARI, so maybe we shouldn't pick on him. Um, And I'm hesitant to pick on the next guy because I... I have known him for over a decade. Uh, I wouldn't say we're friends, but, you know, he's in my, th- I could text him. Uh, he's always been nice to me. Um, his name is Jerome Brook. He's the executive director of ARI, or he was, I guess, until 2017 for like 17 years or something. Right now, he's the chairman of the board. Um, but he, he pulls up this tweet here. I gotta have it. I printed it out because I'm old. I pr- I print out tweets. I like paper. He pulls up, here's this tweet from him. I probably should put it on the screen, but I'm not going to. It's not worth it. He writes, he's quoting. Now, see, he's quoting Ayn Rand against the truckers. He says, this is the quote from Ayn Rand. These aren't his words. those are hers. You do not have the right to parade through the public streets or to obstruct f- public thoroughfares. You have the right of assembly, yes, on your own property and on the property of your adherents or your friends. But nobody has the quote right to clog the streets. Now, someone thankfully pushed back on him on Twitter and said, Hey, you know, their rights, the trucker's rights are being violated. And Yaron's response is, Well, I agree their rights are being violated. So that's that's good. He started there as mine and yours are almost every day. He's right again. And then he says, Is violating others' rights a solution to that or justified? I prefer they go on strike. Well, we're going to try and answer that question. We do know that preference is not an argument. Now, that was just a tweet, so maybe he's got a deeper argument. But, uh, and we'll talk about going on strike, actually, in a bit. Because I, I want to talk about why they shouldn't, can't, whatever. Um, how, how their ability to do that has been kind of undermined with force. But for context, I think we need to look at the full quote that he is using against the truckers, which I'm going to read here. Um, This quote, so what's happening is she's responding in this quote, Ayn Rand is responding to the 1977 Stokey case. Uh, Stokie is, if you guys aren't familiar with it, um, Stokie is a, I guess it's a town slightly north of, uh, Chicago. And in 1977, um, a Nazi leader, an actual, like actual Nazi leader contacted the ACLU back when they cared about principles. And he complained that his planned demonstration in Skokie, Illinois had been blocked by the town. And the ACLU, actually a Jewish lawyer, who was on the screen there, named David Goldberger, he took the case. And so she's writing this, um, she's writing this quote that he's using, is she's writing it in response to this case. I and mean, she's writing it right around the time of the demonstration, because they actually ended up basically winning. There was some nuance, but they, they basically won. Um, and so she's, she's writing uh, at the time of this demonstration. and her whole quote, Skokie did I say stokie? Sorry, I don't know what I don't know what's on my mind. Skokie, thank you for correcting me guys. Okay, here's the quote that she writes: <clears throat> What I challenge, and not only because of that particular case, is the interpretation of demonstrations and other action as so-called symbolic speech. When you lose the distinction between action and speech, you lose, eventually, the freedom of both. The Skokie case is a good illustration of that principle. There is no such thing as symbolic speech. You do not have the right to parade through the public streets or to obstruct public thoroughfares. You have the right to of assembly, yes, on your own property and the property of your adherents or your friends, but nobody has the right to clog the streets. The streets are only for passage. The hippies in the 1960s should have been forbidden to lie down on city pavements. They used to lie down across the street and cause dreadful traffic snarls in order to display their views, attract attention, to register a protest. If they were permitted to do it, the Nazis should be permitted as well. Properly, both should have been forbidden. They may speak, yes, they may not take action at whim on public property. Now, I think Ayn Rand is correct uh, in delineating between speech and actions right? We've seen, we've seen that delineation has been eradicated recently, right? We see your speech is literally violence, they say to, uh, you know, the leftists will tell anyone who opposes them. Uh, and on the flip side, whenever Antifa burns businesses down and loots and beats people up or, or worse, uh, they're just exercising their right to free speech, we're told. So, uh, that delineation is she's right about, and I think it's important to make that deline- delineation between speech and actions. But, um, I think Ayn Rand's analysis here fails, uh, partly because she's using an anti-concept, and partly because I maybe she just didn't think this one through. I don't know. and She had a bad day. She's not God. The anti-concept she's using is public property. Now, I'm going to rename it. I'm going to correctly name it. It is government property. It's a minor distinction. Um, you might argue that that's just semantics, but helping the distinction and saying government property will help you. Think more clearly about this as we go through this. So, I'm going to call it government property. I'm going to stop using the phrase private property or public property. Now, our present situation here is kind of complex. So, to to analyze what's going on with these truckers and what they have a right to do and not do, let's build this up incrementally from the ground up so we can kind of more clearly see each layer. So, first, right off the bat, obviously, you do have the right to do whatever you want on private property, any kind of protest you want. I'm. That's up to the owner, obviously, of the private property, but the owner's in charge of what happens on private property. Okay, that's easy enough, right? So what about government property? Well, uh, <clears throat> in an ANCAP society, government property doesn't exist, <laughs> uh, right? Uh, roads are privately owned the owner decides what happens on roads. Even in many libertarian models, the government doesn't own roads. So just because there's a government actually doesn't mean there needs to be government property that are roads that could be obstructed. Um, so this whole thing only arises, it only becomes an issue because up until this point, we don't have to even worry about whether they're allowed or not allowed to do. It's up to the property owner. This only becomes an issue when there is a government. Um, and it's, we call it government property because when there is a government, government is the owner. I'm gonna use it, I'm, I'm gonna use the word owner, even though you know it's not always necessarily legitimate, but the owner is not the public. The public is is nebulous, it's an ultimately meaningless concept. We've talked about it before. Um, so the question is: how can the government legitimately own property? Let's start with there. How does the government legitimately own any property? How does it become the owner? Right? And I think that presupposes another question, um, which is what the hell makes a government legitimate in the first place? Because an illegitimate government can't legitimately own property, right? Like that has to be, the government has to be not a bunch of thugs. It it can't be the mob declaring themselves government. And like you would say, well, that's not a legitimate ownership of any property. You can't just declare that you own the streets because you got a big gun. So what makes a government Legitimate. And obviously I'm talking about in a moral sense here. So uh, we're not talking about in a legal sense. You can't have this discussion and make legal arguments. That's putting the cart before the horse. Governments can make laws, moral laws, immoral laws, or whatever. We're trying to decide what's moral here. What's legal is just what's written down and decided by whoever's in charge. So what makes a government legit? Well, it's not democracy. Sorry, neocons and many 90s liberals. It's not democracy. It's not a representative republic. That's not what makes a government legit either, conservatives. It's not a really cool constitution. Sorry. It's not that either. A government has moral legitimacy to the extent that it recognizes individual sovereignty. That's it. Remember that. Your rights exist a priori to government. They don't come from government. Your rights arise from your status as a human with a rational capacity. Like that's your rights arise prior to government. They can't be granted by the government. They can only be recognized by the government or ignored, not recognized, right? You have a right to bear arms in the middle of China. They won't let you, but you have the right. It's not recognized. It's infringed upon. But you maintain the right. Again, we're talking in a moral sense here. By the way, Joseph Oaks in chat just said, all your public spaces are belong to us. Trudeau, probably. You know, I really wanted to have time. I loved that old meme, all your base are belong to us. I really wanted to have time to make a Justin Trudeau version, but I did not. So uh, great minds, Joseph Hooks. Uh, Anyway, the extent to which your rights are recognized and not ignored, the extent to which a a government recognizes your individual sovereignty is the extent to which a government is legitimate. And the extent to which that individual sovereignty is ignored is the extent to which that government is illegitimate. This has nothing to do with democracy. The dim-witted worship of democracy has... Frustrated me for like 20 years at least. I I can't stand it. I can't stand the chance of democracy from the right and the left. It's so low IQ. I wrote an article about this called Demystifying Democracy back in 2002. Beverly can paste the link in the chat if she wants. I, my views weren't exactly the same as they are today, but my view on this was. Um, Look, democracy and democratic systems like the Constitutional Republics and and that kind of stuff, they are proposed means to an end. I've also talked about this before. They are are means to an end. Democracy is not the goal. Preservation of individual sovereignty is the goal. So any specific democratic system, like a democratic-based system, anything in that category, it's merely a proposed political structure for achieving the end of recognizing individual sovereignty. A government doesn't automatically earn legitimacy by virtue of having voting booths, by virtue of being a democracy that doesn't make it legitimate. So let's for the sake, I know, I know, and caps. Some some friends of mine will have a problem with this, but for the sake of argument, let's assume that a legitimate government exists. There's a government out there with uh in, in our fantasy world with an excellent record of consistently respecting individual sovereignty. It's the libertarian or minarchist or even maybe objectivist ideal, like it's it's a legitimate government. Okay, so now what's the moral status? Can you protest on this legitimate government's property? Right? And since we're talking about protesting on government property, the government must have some kind of property, right? And since it's a legitimate government, it can't be achieved through taxation or anything else. It has to be donated. It has to be given freely, voluntarily to the government. Um, we're going to set aside the idea that you can acquire uh, property through force and conquest. Legitimate governments wouldn't go around stealing things from people. And then, like that, we're going to put that aside for a moment. But in the case of bridges and stuff, it, property didn't even exist in buildings. Like the, the government spends money to build it. So maybe the money was donated. All right. So if a government owns, this piece of property, this is this is this magical legitimate government we're talking about, like 100% legitimate government. If it owns this piece of property, it does this for a purpose, right? The the money or the property itself was donated presumably for a purpose. This is what Rand is talking about when he's talking about the intended use of the streets. I don't know if that's exactly her words, but right, the intended use of a bridge is it was it was given or the money was given so that traffic could get one f- you know from one side of the river to the other side of the river or whatever in purpose of a courthouse, you know, have your, house your judges and let them wear long black dresses. Right. Um, so s- things are donated to the government or even money in this perfect world with the understanding that the government can make rules for the use uh, of those things that are in line with the purpose. So the, on a bridge, they can say, well, we built the bridge, but we're limiting the truck size because it has an effect and blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, these are the number of lanes and you got to stay in your lane. They, they can, they can write those rules because you've, given them this. You've donated this and said we're going to give you a monopoly on this piece of property. It's yours. We want you to use it for this reason. Courthouse, you can make rules. No loud music in courthouses or whatever. So the question is take a drink. The question is morally can you assemble on the property owned by a perfectly legitimate government? By our definition above anarchists can can bear with me here can you can you assemble on the, the property owned by a perfectly legitimate government in order to obstruct the purpose of that pop- property and the answer is no government's the owner they're in this in this fantasy world they're the legitimate owner it was donated you can't use the property without their permission um, which they're obligated to grant you for the purpose of the donation in, in this magical world so are the truckers wrong well If we lived in a fantasy land where unicorns farted rainbows and Brian Steltler was a a legitimate journalist uh, and in which the Canadian or the U.S. governments were perfectly legitimate, then, yes, the truckers would be wrong. Then again, if we lived in that world, there would be no need for them to protest because their rights wouldn't be infringed. So now let's add the final layer and talk about the reality of the situation that we're in, which is much messier. Let's say we have a government. Let's call it Janada. We'll we'll do some, uh, we'll teach you some Mandarin tonight. And let's say Janada is not 100% legitimate. Sometimes, in some ways, maybe in many ways, it violates the individual sovereignty of the people within its borders. It violates their a priori rights. It infringes. It initiates the use of force. Those are all the same thing. That's what it's doing to them. Now, someone says Ambassador Bridge is privately owned. Okay, well, then the private owner can kick them off. Right now, there's no one on the bridge, so we're talking about Ottawa at the moment. But I didn't know that. Thank you, Richard. Um, So such a government, uh, a government that's not perfect here, is in a very real, intangible way the perpetrator of a moral crime here. They're the initiators of force. So let's say that you and your friends, um, you are some of the victims of Janadas, (laughs) the country of Janada. You're some of their victims of the force. Your rights have been infringed. Your individual sovereignty has been violated. You want this perpetrator, you want Janada to stop. And you've tried, you wrote a strongly worded letter to its leader, Justin Castro. Um, Maybe you even tried voting. Right. But there's too many Canadians or sorry, too many Karen's in Canada. And so those Karen's are perfectly happy to violate your rights in the name of uh, some nebulous phrase like public good. So you lose and the perpetrator continues to infringe on your rights. The question is, how do you escalate this? Can you escalate this without a full blown violent revolution? Is there any escalation path that you can take somewhere between voting and the guillotine? And I would argue, yes, there is. There is an escalation path that you can take. You can occupy government property and obstruct its use. Now, remember, the government's claim to the property rests on the legitimacy of the government itself. So an illegitimate government actually doesn't have any legitimate claims property. And occupying that property, I will admit, is the use of force. It's a mild use of force. But it's defensive force, which is a crucial distinction. It's not the initiation. If you simply occupy a government space and agree to withdraw, when the owner of that space, the government, stops violating your rights, it's that's defensive. It's a very mild form of force, and it's defensive use of force. That's what it is. Now, will there be collateral damage? Yeah. It's often the case when you have defensive use of force. There'll be collateral damage. Sure. Um, some other people, third parties involved, they might... They're not involved. I mean, they might, uh, they might have their lives impacted. They might be inconvenienced. Um, You know, even worse, they might, they might uh, be obstructed from using the property or earning a living. Um, I mean, in the worst case, like maybe they can't even get to the hospital in time and, and they die. Now, just to n- note in Canada, the truckers, I think I, this is what I'm hearing. The truckers in Ottawa have actually created an emergency vehicle lane. So they're trying to minimize collateral damage. They're, they're being nice and Canadian. But note that this use of mild force, this mild defensive use of force against a government is only necessary to the extent that the government is using force itself, to the extent that the government is illegitimate, which means using force, which means violating your rights. Right? It's a defensive use. Stop violating my rights. I'll go home. That's about as mild as you can get in terms of escalation. It's nowhere near a guillotine or anything that's horrific. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's defensive. It's also directed at the responsible party. You're not burning down Starbucks. You're not burning down car dealerships. You're not beating up or killing random people or looting stores. Yeah, like I said, there might be some collateral damage, but the target is proper. Your target is the government, which is the perpetrator of the crime. So this argument from these the ARI employee that I mentioned, which is saying that the trucker convoy is a violation of individual rights, it's anti-business, it's freedom blocking, it's just a stupid argument. It's complete, uh, it's complete Darvo, as they say, right? Deny and reverse victim order. There's a predatory cluster B response. And the analogy that I'm gonna ha- uh, give you to maybe drive this home a little bit is imagine imagine you're in a Walmart. Imagine you're in a Walmart and someone walks in and they pull a gun and they, they just start open firing at you while you're standing there in the Walmart. Now, because you listen to this show, you're armed, thankfully. So, uh, and you've got a great cross draw stroke. You've practiced, you dry fire a lot. You go to the range. So, uh, you immediately, uh, deploy your weapon so you can shoot back at them to stop the threat. And in the middle of this gunfight, a representative from the Ayn Rand Institute walks in and starts yelling at you and says, you're anti-business. You're violating the individual rights of other shoppers because you might damage the hearing of that person standing next to you and you might disrupt their shopping experience. How dare you? How dumb would that look? That is a dishonest, low-resolution analysis of the situation. It's just dumb. It's it's just as dumb as what I just described. (sighs) Tree Surgeon says, I'd just be glad my experience of Walmart was coming to an end. I'm with you on that one. Okay. Okay. Now, to be fair, I just want to be clear: there are other objectivists that are not affiliated with ARI um, that have that I think are better. I, like Stephen Hicks, I've had on the show. I like I think he's fantastic. He he knows postmodernism better than than anyone, um, and he understands the Enlightenment and the relationship between the two. I I I before this show, I I was going to mention him, and I didn't know what he thought about this or what his arguments would be. So I was going to say, well, maybe he. I don't know what he thinks, but I looked him up right before the show. Uh, and, of course, he's sharing Jordan Peterson's interview with B.J. Dicture, Dik, Dik, one of the organizers of the Freedom Convoy. So I don't I don't think he views uh, the convoy as a violation of individual rights. Um, I don't think he's that guy in Walmart. He's got his head screwed on straight. He's not yelling at you. Um, and interestingly enough, I, I want to say... Um, I want to say something positive about someone who was affiliated with ARI and someone actually very important in the objectivist community, which is Leonard Peikoff. If you, for those of you who don't know, he's the, he's Ayn Rand's intellectual heir. He owns all the copyrights. He was very involved in ARI. He, he, I think, I don't know if he licensed or whatever. gave, gave ARI the right to print her, her material. Um, he's intimately involved with ARI for a long time, but he retired. He's not really involved anymore. Um, and they seem to have gone off the rails since then. So he was on his ex-wife's show on Sunday, and I, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this because I want to see does he get this completely wrong? Like, is he just out there quoting Ayn Rand and and saying, look, you can't protest truckers? And I am pleasantly surprised and happy to inform you that uh, he's like in his 90s, I think. He called the mandate, uh, uh, the the mask mandates. Perfect examples – wait, let me get this correct. Uh, Where is it? Perfect examples of the tentacles of totalitarianism. And then he talked about the need for the truckers to be intimidating the intimidators. And he said – this is a quote. I salute the truckers. I congratulate them. I thank them on behalf of what is left of the West. So (laughs) – not all objectivists are beltway objectivists as Keith, the hat guy calls them. Uh, so good on him. Good for him. All right. I also want to draw really quickly here. I want to draw a distinction between the trucker protests and the BLM or Antifa protests that we've seen. Um, and why they're different. I think it's pretty obvious to most of you, but, uh, First major distinction is there's only two major distinctions. The first one is that the choice of target, right? Um, the the perpetrators, the government. So parking in front of the Capitol building on government roads in Ottawa is a completely correct target choice. I didn't know the ambassador bridge was privately owned. I would bet that maybe the truckers didn't know that either. Um, maybe they did. Uh, even if it's privately owned, I, I strong. I highly doubt it's privately owned actually um, because even if it may be technically privately owned, I, if 28% of the, 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 trade between us and Canada goes across that bridge, I would be shocked to discover that the government did not have their hands in the management of that bridge deeply. Um, so I just don't even believe that that's a correct assessment, even if it's on paper privately owned, it's like saying the, it's like saying the, uh, federal reserve is private. Um, Anyway, the target choice. The truckers were targeting the government. They're they're sitting in front of the Capitol. They are occupying streets of Ottawa. The Antifa BLM people are targeting innocents. They're burning down Starbucks. They're burning down car route dealerships. They're looting stores. They're not even targeting anyone who's violating their rights which brings me to the second point, which is moral justification. This is the second major difference. Defensive force to demand that someone stop violating your rights is perfectly justified. It's moral. That's what the truckers are doing. Offensive force to make demands that aren't about violation of your rights. That's not okay. And you look in the case of, of, of black lives matter, for example, um, their demands were like super vague and immeasurable. It was like really weird stuff. Like one of them was, uh, (laughs) we call for radical sustainable solutions that affirm the prosperity of black lives. They had a list of five. I actually, Beverly can paste a link to this video. I, I went through their demands at one point a while ago, but nebulous, like nothing to do with individual rights. Um, and in other cases that, that weren't BLM, like Antifa and, or other just leftist stuff, a lot of times their protests are not about violation of individual rights at all, but the opposite. They're about demanding handouts. They want health care or minimum wage. They're literally initiating the use of force to demand that the government expands its own initiation of the use of force. So a legitimate government, if it existed... Uh, can use force to kick people off of, of their own property if they're occupying that property offensively, right? If if someone comes on and obstructs things in a courthouse because they're trying to get minimum wage or universal health care, uh, that's an attempt to pressure the government to violate the individual rights of other people. Boom. I'm going to get them out, assuming that the government's legit. Again, we're living in a little bit fairyland when I make that statement, but but a government that's in the, in violation of individual rights has no moral authority to use force to kick people off of government property if they're occupying that properly, property defensively. In other words, if they're occupying it and saying, just stop violating my rights, stop making me use the VAX passport, and I'll go away. They have no right to kick them off morally. There's there's no comparison between the trucker rally and BLM or other leftist protests. They are in two completely separate categories. Um. You know, you got it. You have to consider the target and whether this is an offensive or defensive protest. And if you try and analyze the right to protest divorced from the target government or private people and divorced from whether it's this defensive or, you know, leave me alone thing or an offensive, I demand you don't leave other people alone. Uh, if you try and analyze this right to protest, divorce from that, you'll fail in your an- analysis. You can't. It's not a valid moral analysis to not consider that. And I, so I, you know, I want to repeat just a couple. Uh, well, my main one main point about governments, to the extent that a government fails to recognize individual rights. They fail that legitimacy test as a government now, actions that they take against protesters who are demanding the recognition of the rights are despotic actions that makes that government tyrannical. A government does not get to hide behind the word democracy to claim legitimacy. It doesn't work that way. All right. On striking. I want to talk about striking because your own Brooke prefers they go on strike. Man, your own, what happened to you? All right. First of all, uh, a widespread trucker strike is an attack on the wrong target, right? Um, A a widespread strike hurts people who just need shipments to survive or run their business, right? Look how much the mainstream press and government uh, complained and bitched and moaned and whined about shutting down a single bridge and how much it hurt the auto industry. Oh, the auto industry, (laughs) right? Can you imagine the collateral damage if truckers went on strike in general? If you honestly care about collateral damage, which... I guess is what is going on here. You don't suggest a trucker strike. It's like you're in the Walmart aiming at the wrong person. Showing up at the Capitol is an attack on the right target. All right. So I don't prefer they go on strike, but there's also a bigger context here and there's a broader picture. And I, I, I think it's important that people see this and understand it because you, it's an, oper, this is a teachable moment about how monetary policy affects literally everything. And I want you to see this, how I want, I want you to see how the government has forcibly suppressed the ability of people to strike. I've said before, and I don't think I made this up. I just don't know where I got it. So I can't attribute it. But I've said before, if you don't have a free market in money, you don't have a free market in anything, right? Um, and I know that a lot of people are like, what does that make no sense? Right. Well, let's walk through. We're not going to get into too deep into monetary policy, but I'm we're just going to outline this for you to investigate. So, not only do we not have a free market in money, right? We obviously have a government monopoly on money. Uh, you can argue that crypto is, is a substitute, although it's being cracked down upon. Uh, we don't even have real money. Like, apart from the free market, it's not even real money. We have ersatz money. We have fake, fake currency. We have substituted uh, something else for money. And that something else is specifically designed to be manipulated by a cabal of bankers and bureaucrats and elites. So since the Federal Reserve System was established in 1913 they have slowly started to decouple our currency from gold and by 1971 we were we had completely severed ties from gold and that gold standard has been replaced over time by basically just a technocracy right a system of financial manipulation by technocratic experts that's it that's what it is it's it's worthless pieces of paper manipulated by financial experts we're supposed to trust uh, from an unaccountable Federal Reserve, largely actually, um, the byproducts of doing this, you end up with, uh, for various reasons, I know again I don't want to get into the details, but you end up with a lot of currency printing, um, which which is by definition inflation, even though they don't use that word in that way anymore. But that inflation does le- leads to the kind of inflation they do talk about, which is price inflation. Um, and price inflation, by the way, is a tax on the lower class. Bezos doesn't care how much a loaf of bread costs, but many truckers might. Um, one another byproduct of this financial system is that you they measure the economic health in terms of consumption, which is backwards. Um, and all this results in an encouragement of personal debt and a discouragement of savings, actually punishing you for saving. Inflation is punishes you for saving money. Uh, even if you stick it under your mattress, it punishes you to get in the bank and there's low interest rates that have been manipulated and like it doesn't keep up with in inflation or other stuff. Like it's it's a punishment for saving. So let's consider the option of the average person to go on strike. Striking requires a financial cushion. You're not going to be getting paid, so it requires a pretty significant financial cushion to be able to strike. You got to be able to last long enough without a job to outlast the other side. And when the other side is the government, that could be a long time, theoretically. So you need a financial cushion. So what's the situation with the truckers? Now, I'm going to pretend that the truckers are from the U.S. because I don't know the Canadian system, but I imagine they're similar. And many of the people participating in this kind of convoy, are, some of them are from America and this is spreading elsewhere. So I know this is not really correct because I'm, I'm going to pretend that they're from the U.S. But again, I don't don't know Canada too well. But like everyone else, the truckers are taxed to death. It's very hard to save when you're being taxed as much as you are. By the way, in the U.S., the Revenue Act of 1913, 1913 was a horrible year. You get get the Revenue Act, income tax, you get the Federal Reserve. The Revenue Act of 1913 imposed a 1% tax on incomes above $3,000. Nothing if you made less than $3,000. Now that in today's dollars, that's $66,000 a year. So it would be 0% below 66K, 1% above $66,000 in today's dollars. And the top tax rate was 6%. And that kicked in when you made more than $500,000, which in today's dollars is $11 million a year. And only about 3% of the population was actually subject to the income tax at the time. So that's one of their situations. Um, they're suffering this monetary policy that makes it difficult, as I said, or discourages savings and encourages debt. And there's a bunch of other metals, some, you some know, regulations, government linked health care to stuff to your employment, which is a problem. And there's legal barriers to doing stuff. So the result of all of this is that many truckers, like everyone else in the country, are living paycheck to paycheck. I saw a guy I interviewed in the, uh, asking about seizing his bank account. He's like, there's nothing in it, right? So many of these people are living Paycheck to paycheck. And the government, by the way, they love this shit. You ever heard the term um, making FU money? It was was thrown around on Silicon Valley. I assume it's elsewhere, right? When you have enough, you have FU money. You can just do what you want, right? Um, I was stupid enough to start this podcast before I really had what I would consider enough fu money uh but whatever uh you get fu you money now the financial technocrats keep you from getting close to that if you're any if you're a normal person you can't you can't build up the savings it's very difficult you can but it's very difficult and they make it very hard and they love you being dependent they love that you have uh they love they love that you have um no savings and you're living paycheck to paycheck. Cause that dependency limits your options to do a lot of things, including protest. You can't afford to do a widespread protracted strike that requires a large majority of truckers to participate. You need something quick, lightweight, like small percentage and impactful. You need to be able to do it quickly and get an impact. Something like a handful of truckers occupying Ottawa, something like that. Now unrelated to the monetary policy, Strikes are completely ineffective for persecuted minorities. They only work in large numbers. So asking a persecuted minority saying, well, you should have gone on strike. What kind of suggestion is that? So I don't agree with your own. I don't agree with the other ARI objectivists here, except Peakoff, if you want to count him as an ARI. I don't prefer the trucker strike. I think asking them to strike is dooming them to failure, which maybe is the idea here if I'm being cynical. I prefer that the truckers win. They are a potential catalyst for real change here. They're the only major like, physical opposition to the Kofidian fascism that we've got going on. So, so that's the status of, that's my thoughts on whether you can strike what the moral status of striking is. All right. Before we go to the the next thing, we need a little bit of uh Oh, nice. Beverly made this. Trudeau, all your public space are belong to us. Excellent. Thank you. Whoever made I don't know who made that, but Beverly stuck it up. Great job. Maybe Beverly made it. All right. So before we go to the next thing here, though, uh, we I need to take we need a slight intermittent frivolity break because uh this angers me. It's also just depressing sometimes. Um, and you know what we're going to talk about after this, which is more more Canada stuff, which gets even worse. So let's let's take a look at this awesome awesome video. Let's see if I can find it. This is what I'm about to show you is Mayor Boston Mayor Michelle Wu from Boston. She's Boston Mayor Michelle Wu, and she played she she did she did a uh, Instagram video and I think it's a hilarious Instagram video. Let's watch it, and then maybe we'll talk about it.
1: Uh. Oh, since so she's unable to join.
0: So really quickly, what's happening if you're only listening here is she is watch, She's on her Instagram and there is a stream of comments. And they are things, I'm just reading. Uh, you discriminate, period. Medical discrimination and apartheid. Resign, right? Um, look how she's reacting to this. How long will you mandate tyranny? <laughs> That's There's the issue right now medical tyranny. You're ruining the city. End the mandates.
1: Okay. In the meantime, I will to just feels by, by answering any questions
0: anyone has so she's pretending like it's not working she's literally pretending that the quest those, those comments don't exist at all and she's like i'll answer any questions anyone has and she's staring at the stream waiting for something that's not a big f you to her
1: um I see a lot
2: of friends who uh a lot of friends have
0: different oh happy new year yes year of the tiger very so she picks on this one happy new year year of the tiger she picks on the like there's a couple well there's one before that says you're doing great um and one that says happy lunar new year so she picks on that one oh yes happy new year and she sees that comment look it works when it's a positive comment very
1: very cute tiger emoji Okay, I mean, we're, we're checking with.
0: When will you lift the mandates? Sad for our beloved Boston businesses. Unmask our kids. When will you stop destroying our city with this mandate? She's pretending there's technical fear, failure. Listen to her.
1: The congressman's team. And if, if it comes out, to it, I will log out and log back in. Couple connecting with each other.
0: I mean, she is so she's so her face is really interesting here because she has this like um, fixed wax expression of like smiling that she's just kind of holding. um and she's just you can almost see that she's like trying to engage circuitry in her brain so she that literally can't see the negative comments. Uh, i it's i just I love this Instagram video.
1: What's my favorite thing about Boston winter? Um, I, I, I love snow. I <laughs> know.
0: Yeah. The last few comments: discrimination. Why do you hate kids, teachers, cops, firemen? You discriminate. Period. That one's in all caps. But she's choosing to answer. What's your favorite thing about winter, or whatever? And. uh... <laughs> Hey, happy new year. Yeah, that was that's the essence of the comments. Good job. Good job, Michelle. They are they don't know how to handle being disliked. They live in such echo chambers. She lives in such a little bubble. That when she hears from the proletariat, she's like shocked. She's shocked. Because she just lives in this tiny... She probably has a little Facebook account with lots of love on it or whatever. And she's got little staffers around her. You're the best. Useless woman. She's a waste of skin. All right. All right. Let's 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 get to the next... It's Again, it's a story about Canada. Let's look at... Uh, so let's look at Trudeau. Uh, he announced that they are activating Canada's Emergencies Act. Let's watch, let's watch him do that. This is outrageous. Where are the armed men who come in to take the protesters away? Where are they? This kind of behavior is never tolerating in Barakwa. You shout like that, they, they put you in jail right away. No trial, no no nothing. Journalists, we have a special jail for journalists. You're stealing, right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail, right away. You're driving too fast, jail. Slow, jail. You're charging too high prices for uh, sweaters, glasses. You're right to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Undercook, overcook. You make an appointment with a dentist and you don't show up, believe it or not, jail, right away. We have the best patients in the world. Oh, sorry about that. I was, I played the wrong video. That, that wasn't it. <laughs> by the way, if you want to watch that video, I, you can see in the lower. I didn't realize we were covering it over, but you can see that video. We did not make that video. It's by a guy named, uh, Il Donaldo Trumpo. He's at Pappy Trumpo on Twitter. Um, go check him out. Uh, because he made that video. I think he's the, the maker of that video. Uh, pretty awesome. Uh, and that's one of my favorite scenes from Parks and Rec. It wasn't my favorite show, but that, that scene. Anyway, uh, let's, let's play actual Trudeau. I'll, I'll stop screwing around and we'll, we'll play some, some real Trudeau, who is not as entertaining, but basically saying the same thing.
2: After discussing with cabinet and caucus, after consultation with premiers from all provinces and territories, After speaking with opposition leaders, the federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. I want to be very clear. The scope of these measures will be time-limited, geographically targeted, as well as reasonable and proportionate to the threats they are meant to address. The Emergencies Act will be used to strengthen and support law enforcement agencies at all levels across the country. This is about keeping Canadians safe, protecting people's jobs, and restoring confidence in our institutions. Here's how the measures we're taking today will help get the situation under control. The police will be given more tools to restore order in places where public assemblies can constitute illegal and dangerous activities, such as blockades and occupations, as seen in Ottawa, the Ambassador Bridge, and elsewhere.
0: I just want to pause for a second. Uh, Man, this guy is such a condescending little prick. I, I'm sorry, but like he I can you I for those of you watching, you can maybe see it, but maybe you can just hear it in his voice if you're only listening. I mean, he sounds like he's lost patience with his kindergarten class. And by the way, I think that is his feeling about the matter. He's kind of incensed that he has to deal with these stupid people wanting freedom. Uh it's just he's in he's insufferable. It's it's I, I don't know how you guys even deal with him at all. Okay, let's, let's keep going.
2: These tools include strengthening their ability to impose fines or imprisonment. The government will designate, secure, and protect places and infrastructure that are critical to our economy and people's jobs, including border crossings and airports.
0: I I just, I can't, I gotta pause it again. First of all, notice this is all for your safety, right? He needs emergency, just to be clear, he needs emergency powers to clear a traffic jam. That's what's happening. There's a traffic jam, and he needs emergency powers for it. And and when he says they're strengthening, what did he say? They're strengthening their ability to impose fines or imprisonment. There there are already laws. When he says that, he's he's just unleashing thuggery right it that means that they can find and arrest anyone they want for any reason it means there's no there's no rules anymore that's what it means he's going to be allowed to do he's not going to have to follow any procedure it's an emergency it's an emergency traffic jam and the fact that he's now saying it's he needs to protect what's critical to people's jobs i mean the duplicity of this can you imagine like a, where was he a year ago worried about people's jobs all right let's keep going
2: We cannot and will not allow illegal and dangerous activities to continue.
0: I know I keep pausing, sorry, but uh look, illegal and dangerous are two two different things. I just I want to point that out. And uh and I also want to point out that nothing dangerous is actually happening. No danger. He desperately needs you to believe that he has the moral high ground here. So he's conflating these two things. But I mean, you know, everyone everyone can see for themselves. There's no danger, right? There's no there's no actual danger. This is just he's just saying that.
2: The Emergencies Act will also allow the government to make sure essential services are rendered, for example, in order to tow vehicles, blocking roads.
0: Now, by the way, the reason he's saying this I 't don't, I don't I think people have been paying attention to this but the companies that tow big rigs are by and large refusing to cooperate here so now he's saying oh uh they're gonna ensure the essential services like towing trucks are rendered that he means with force like the government doesn't need emergency powers to ask nicely get people to volunteer Blah blah, blah. they need emergency powers to use whatever force they want against people Is he gonna force the tow truck? I don't know what he's, I guess maybe he's gonna force the tow truck companies. Throw the drivers in jail. I don't know. I don't know what he's gonna do. Let's, Let's see the rest of this.
2: In addition, financial institutions will be authorized or directed to render essential services to help address the situation, including by regulating and prohibiting the use of property to fund or support illegal blockades.
0: Uh, This one's huge, and I just want to point some stuff out about this. Um, This is the real kicker. He says financial institutions were authorized or directed. They are going to, and they've they've been explicit about this. uh, They're telling banks and other financial institutions that they can go ahead and seize the funds of people that they suspect reasonably might be used to support or help the truckers in some way. This is without a court order. This is without due process. Banks are going to be protected from civil liability for any actions that are taken in good faith. That was what one of the other uh, people was explaining before. So banks are protected. They've, They've given the government broad authority to share information with banks and financial institutions. They are treating truckers here who are, let's be honest, Parked in the street, honking their horns sometimes. They are treating truckers like the worst terrorists. They they just completely ignore the rights of anyone even remotely connected to them. And I I hate to say this, but I want to point out to conservatives, if there's any conservatives even watching. uh, You know... Those conservatives who said, it's okay, the government's only going to use this power. We give them against the horrible terrorists and the bad people from the Middle East. (laughs) You're responsible for this. We told you. We told you governments can't be trusted with this power. You didn't listen because you had no principles. You responded to the fear, the boogeyman of terrorism, and you gave up. A shit ton of power to the government. Welcome to the world you created. All right. Like I can't, we're going to have to listen to more of this douchebag. Here we go.
2: Finally, we'll enable the RCMP to enforce municipal bylaws and provincial offenses where required. This is what the Emergencies Act
0: does. Again, the way, he said, I just, the way he said that, this is what the Emergency Act does. He sounds like he's talking to kindergartners. I, at least that's how it comes across to me. I don't know how you feel about it, but he, he sounds like he's addressing kindergartners.
2: Let me be equally clear about what it does not do. We're not using the Emergencies Act to call in the military. We're not suspending fundamental rights or overriding the Charter of Rights and Freedoms we are not limiting people's freedom of speech we are not limiting freedom of peaceful assembly we are not preventing people from exercising their right to protest legally we are reinforcing the principles values and institutions that keep all canadians free
0: we are not gaslighting. That's not what we're doing. We're not gaslighting you. I know we just said we were doing all these things, but we're not doing those things, and it is not gaslighting. In summary, (sighs) words have no meaning, and I'm the emperor of Canada now. Freedom is whatever I say it is, so fuck you very much. Love, Justin Trudeau. I feel like I should do a hair flick after I do that. Justin Trudeau. God damn it. What the fuck, Canadians, really? Um, the Quebec government, from what I understand, doesn't really want this. The Ottawa chief of police, Peter Slawley, I guess is he resigned earlier this week. Uh, he was under criticism for not doing enough. I guess he wasn't clamping down enough. Uh it some looks like he got kind of you know pushed out. Uh there are arguments. I'm not a. I'm not a Canadian legal expert by any means, right? There are arguments from some Canadian legal experts that the federal government actually didn't meet the threshold of the Emergencies Act. Um, I'll just I'll just read you some of this because I think it's interesting to know. Uh, not that they just don't, they don't care. This is why it's interesting to know. It's interesting to to see. You got to understand how much they don't fucking care what's written down. They don't care. It doesn't matter if you have a constitution. It doesn't matter what the rules are. They don't care. All right, well, here's this is not my legal analysis. This is from uh, Iwa Kajuska. She's an alumni from McGill. She's a litigator at Hainine Hutchinson, which is a law firm there. I think she focuses on civil law. Um. She, well, I, I don't know if it was her that claimed that the federal government didn't meet the, the the threshold to invoke the Emergencies Act. She wasn't sure. But there's basically four types of emergencies you can do, um, according to her. Uh, public welfare emergency, public order emergency, international emergency, and war emergency. So this would only really, in, in any meaningful way, like the only one it could possibly be related to is public order emergency. So that's the one you got to look at. Um And according to her, for a public order emergency to be declared, there must be, quote, threats to the security of Canada that is, quote, so serious to be a national emergency. Now, threats to the security of Canada refers to this other act, the CSIC Act. Here's a list of the threats that must be. These are all pretty serious threats. Uh, There's four of them. A, B, C, D. A espionage or sabotage that is against Canada or is detrimental to the interests of Canada or activities directed towards or in support of such espionage or sabotage. I don't think a traffic jam meets that definition. Okay, next. The other one. B. Foreign-influenced activities within or relating to Canada that are detrimental to the interests of Canada and are clandestine or deceptive or involve a threat to any person. I don't think truckers... That C, activities within or relating to Canada directed toward or in support of the threat or use of acts of serious violence against persons or property for the purpose of achieving political, religious, or ideological objective within Canada or a foreign state. No. And D, activities directed... Toward undermining by covert unlawful acts or directed toward or intended ultimately to lead to the destruction or overthrow by violence of the constitutionally established system of a government in Canada. And look, I don't, I mean, I'm not Canadian. I did grow up near the border, not too far from the border, a few hours. Uh, as far as I know, words have similar meanings. English words in Canada mean the same thing. Uh, so I don't see how this is legal in any way. Not that he cares. Uh, incidentally, also a motion to confirm the emergency must be put before both Houses of Parliament, House of Commons and the Senate, within seven sitting days after the declaration is issued and also 60 days after the exploration or revocation of an emergency. Cabinet shall cause an inquiry to be held into the circumstances that led to the declaration being issued and the measures taken for dealing with the emergency I mean I if there were a responsible journalists in the world I think they might say hey this is illegal snowboarding prime minister hey you wonder when the last time this act was invoked because maybe maybe us stupid Americans don't understand. They invoke this all the time. It's no big deal. Let's see when the last time it was invoked. I have it right here. Let's see. The last time the act was invoked was by a man named Pierre Trudeau. Hmm. I recognize that name. I think he's Justin's adopted father. Um. He invoked this act in 1970 in response to something called the October crisis i wasn't really familiar with the october crisis here's what the october crisis was according to the daily hive this is worth knowing just because you know we can compare it to the truckers uh traffic jam and we can see how similar these events are <clears throat> in the fall of 1980 quebec was the epicenter of the crisis a local terrorist organization called the front de liberation du quebec whatever uh, FLQ, made the jump from small-scale vandalism and robberies to bombing incidents. Some of them were deadly. <laughs> Sounds like a traffic jam. I wonder if they honked. The group's actions intensified, and the FLQ kidnapped two people. First, British Trade Commissioner James Cross was held for ransom. Yeah, that's that's there's a lot of that going on in Ottawa right now. Although there was a significant lead-up to the first kidnapping, it is considered the unofficial start of the October crisis. In exchange for Cross's release the FLQ asked for the release of 23 of its members for its manifesto to be broadcast and published, passage to Cuba or Algeria, <laughs> and it also asked for $500,000. 5 days later, Quebec cabinet minister Pierre Laporte was abducted by the FLQ. He was later murdered. Hey, but now there's a traffic jam in Ottawa, so to resort to emergency power. I don't know. I'm sorry, Canada. All right, I'm going to make a couple. I'm going to just make a couple points here. In one sense, let's defend let's defend Justin for a minute. In one sense, the elites, Trudeau and his ilk, um they're not being dishonest in one sense when they portray this as a catastrophe here. Uh, I think to Justin Trudeau, this is an emergency. Uh, I think the elite class is absolutely terrified of losing control. I think they are panicked. They're terrified of losing power. Uh, you know, they're terrified of of the tiger. There's a JFK quote. I'm not a big fan of JFK, obviously. Uh, but during his inaugural address, there's a famous quote of his, which is. Those who foolishly sought power by riding the back of the tiger ended up inside. Trudeau is terrified. He's terrified of ending up inside the tiger. So to him, this is actually an emergency. Um, Which, by the way, also means uh, it's working. Well done, truckers. I think Canada is home to Gad Sad, Jordan Peterson, Stefan Molyneux. Talk about people who say things canadians don't want to hear and for all the hyperventilating and pro-clutching over their wrong thinking speech or comment or something uttered on a podcast or written in a book it turns out that the elite are most scared of a bunch of truckers willing to say no oh they're canadian they're probably saying no thank you because they're very nice and when you start taking flack, you know you're over the target, as they say. This isn't just flack. This is panic fire. I think the global elite class is probably watching. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know it's been a while since the Rothschilds and I hung out for martinis. But, uh, you know, I uh, I think they're watching this in dread. I think they're worried that this will spread. We already know it is starting to spread. I mean, we've seen some stuff in Paris. Um, and they really need Justin to get this crap under control. Now, I don't think they care so much about Justin. His career can be damned. They need him to fix this. That's the first point I want to make. Someone said, uh, Zonarosa Smith says it's surprised how strongly Jordan Peterson is supporting the truckers. I felt that way about um, Peacock, but I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised. He's, he's doing a great job. Um, I mean, Jordan Peterson's usually pretty good. So. Uh, the second point I want to make here is, um, is a broader point. Some of you might not like this. Um, look, the arms of the nanny state can just as easily strangle you as lift you up. Uh, in fact, they inevitably, inevitably will strangle you. Um, and if this sounds like an, uh, an admonition to you, well, if the shoe fits, Uh, For generations, a lot of you, probably not the people in chat, but maybe some, I don't know. For a lot of you, you've accepted or even advocated for a government that cares, right? You wanted the government to be your soccer mom. You wanted the mommy government to help you manage your life because being a grown up sometimes sucks. I agree. It does sometimes suck. You wanted mommy to manage licenses to make sure people were qualified to cut your hair or prescribe you cough syrup or drive a truck on the road next to you. You want to make sure those scary terrorists or nasty drug dealers, drug cartels, didn't launder money through your banks or businesses or any bank or business. You want to make sure your neighbor couldn't get away with cheating on his taxes because you're paranoid. He might have found a loophole you haven't. Make sure. Shut that down. Where to get that new car? Close those loopholes. More monitoring. You asked your mommy to undermine and manage the entire monetary system to keep you safe from everyone from Bernie Madoff to Osama bin Laden to your serious credit card company. You gave your mommy government the power to manage almost every aspect of the economy and almost every aspect of your life. And you did it because you thought the government would bring an extra pair of helping hands like a good Samaritan. A benevolent Santa Claus, as they say. Mommy government loved you and meant well. Yeah, maybe she was flawed. You knew that, sure. But the idea of mommy government was noble. She was there to help the downtrodden, to protect the incompetent from themselves, and to make your life more convenient, to keep you safe. You asked that mommy government to kiss your boo-boos when you fell and to wrap your body and warm hugs when you felt despair. One know the hard truth, the government was never your mommy. The government is men like Justin Trudeau. That's the government. And when those men worry that you're about to wake up, leave the house and live your life without them, without their help and without their permission, those kisses turn into bites. Those hugs turn into strangulation. Because to mommy, dearest, it's better that you die than be allowed to leave, than be allowed to be free. And because you never admitted that, you gave the government the tools to efficiently and effectively disguise itself to kill you in front of the world without anyone noticing. You know, with a thug, like if you like an Attila the Hun or just a run of the mill thug, there's no pretext, right? He walks up to you, he's got his gun in his hand, or if he's Attila, maybe a sword, I don't know. He walks up to you with his gun in his hand. You know what he's there for. Everyone knows what he's there for. Hand over your belongings, hand over your freedom, whatever he asks, or you're going to face the brutal, violent consequences. That's just thuggery on full display. But governments don't like to be seen as thugs. If they were seen as thugs, you might not like them so much. They don't like assaulting you out in the open like that. It's gauche. It reveals them to be the predators that they are. They prefer the pretense of civility. And when you give them all this power, power over your bank account or all bank accounts, power over cryptocurrency and driver's license, power to regulate, tax, censure businesses, tow truck businesses, they don't need to send men with guns to your house anymore. They don't need to rob you of your livelihood and perhaps your life in front of anyone out in the open. They don't need to do that. You've given the tools giving them those tools to just do it discreetly. And now, in 2022, they can just flip a switch. They can just flip a switch. No one has to see. No one has to see the gun or the violence or anything behind any of it. They flip a switch. Your savings, if you had any, are frozen. Your income's gone forever. All the permissions that you needed to live your life or run your business are revoked. They're gone. Now you're you're reduced to the other. You're ostracized, rejected, whatever. You've forgotten. That's how Trudeau is going to use this Emergencies Act. It's like a heart disease. It's the silent killer. And you gave them these tools. And the only way to protect yourself in the long run is to take these tools back. you you, you got to take them back. You can't just complain about how they're used. That won't work. And this, by the way, by the way, this is why... The cabal at the World economic Forum, Klaus Schwab and all of his buddies uh, this is why they push ideas like you'll own nothing but you'll be happy right because it whatever it is you need or want like they'll own it and they'll provide it to you maybe they'll even I mean they might charge you right but they might even give it to you for free in some cases. it doesn't really matter in the long run because when they own your means of survival, your physical means of survival, That's when they own you. Fucking Trudeau. All right. (sighs) Ooh, I love that. Zero fucks in chat says turnkey totalitarianism. What a great, what a great phrase. I want to steal it if I remember. I probably will forget. I'll try and remember. If I steal it during a show in the future, claim credit. Um, Before we do the last thing here, I know it's a long, a little bit of a long show. Before we do the last thing here, um, I'm just going to read one super chat from I'll Fight You Naked, who says the honking will continue until freedom is restored. Let us hope. All right. As many of you know, I'm reporting from sunny California. the Socialist dystopia. I'm just going to share a ray of hope. It's a little bit of a ray of hope. This article. Yes. Again, print out articles. I really couldn't believe this. Northern, like way north in, in California is kind of cool. Here's the title. I think this is from the mercury news or something i don't know i can't see the thing the title is the headline is <clears throat> could populist militia-backed shasta county recall the recall effort provide roadmap for other races weird the subtitle is <laughs> gotta remember who's writing these things right so this is <laughs> Right-wing militia members helped fuel the ouster of a Republican supervisor they said was bowing to Sacramento. Cool. Let's read. By the way, I know I'm doomed in California. I got to leave. But there's still a ray of hope. Maybe, maybe Northern California will secede. Okay. Ryan Brasher heard the whirring overhead during his morning swim Tuesday at the local YMCA in Reading and knew something unusual was happening. When he looked up, he spotted the airplane pulling a banner through the sky, reminding Shasta County voters it was recall day. That kind of money, said the political science professor at Redding Simpson University, that's not here in Shasta County. By the way, you you notice whenever outside money influences something in a, an election in a way that reduces government power, they have to like point it out in this kind of, oh, it's not, it looks outside money. Mm-hmm. But when outside money is used to literally destroy the entire state of Colorado, no one, hey, hey, it's an organic movement of hippies. All right. um, In the past week, this Republican stronghold in Northern California became the latest focus of the recall fever spreading through local politics across the country, especially in places where conservative voters are fed up with politicians who aren't conservative enough. But Shasta County's version came with a new extremist twist. Yeah extremism my favorite fueled by outside funding and growing anti-government sentiment again outside funding and by the way they're saying anti-government sentiment as if it's like this This that's a bad thing yay let's have some anti-government sentiment we need more uh a militia-backed coalition but i again i don't know how maybe it is a real militia but I like you can't even trust their description it's probably the own. go to the range together a militia-backed coalition in the rural northern county appears to have succeeded in recalling a more mainstream republican member of the board of supervisors handing control of the board's right-wing populists by the way it wasn't that long ago that the word populist was good but now you can put right wing in front of it and it's horrible The election has uh, prompted speculation of the proponent's success, will inspire copycat attempts elsewhere, and raised questions about the future of the GOP in Shasta and beyond. Good. Good. It's not some fly-by-night operation, Leonard Motti, the subject of the recall, said Thursday during a phone interview with Bay Area News Group. With the vote still being counted, results as of Friday showed the recall succeeding with roughly 56% of the vote. A former Redding police chief and longtime county board member, Modi was accused of a range of sins, including too willingly accepting state COVID-19 restrictions and not doing enough to support Second Amendment gun rights in the fiercely independent county, roughly 160 miles north of the capital. Well, those sound like sins. This is not really driven by, like, social conservatives, Brasher said of the recall effort. It's more driven by anti-government, anti-vax, keep out of my hair, extreme libertarian type thinking. It's amazing. It's amazing how they can vilify someone who's like, can you just leave me alone? I'll leave you alone, buddy. Is that cool? Ah! It's extreme. The election has divided local Republican Party members with a certain segment of constituents still deeply Trumpian. (laughs) It's not a word. You can't use it. And distrustful of traditional government. Yeah. Who is 2022? Who is not distrustful of traditional government at this point? First, there was anger over state pandemic mandates. Good. Then more anger over Donald Trump losing the presidency with many parroting unfounded allegations that it was stolen from him. Pile on anger over liberal darling Governor Gavin Newsom beating his recall attempts and eject some tantalizing conspiracy theories about vaccines. The virus and Mahdi being a shill for Newsom. these conspiracy theories, the kind of things that were conspiracy theories yesterday, but they'll be on CNN tomorrow. Is that though, that kind? <sighs> At a supervisor's meeting in 2020, local militia group member and recall proponent, Carlos Zapata, blasted pandemic restrictions. It's not going to be peaceful much longer, okay? And this isn't a threat. I'm not a criminal. I've never been a criminal, Zapata said. He maybe needs to learn some PR stuff. But I'm telling you, good citizens are going to turn to real concerned and revolutionary citizens real soon. It sounds a little bit like a threat, and it ought to be. Members of the State of Jefferson movement, that's the, in Northern California, there's a, like a movement to, to secede from California called the State of Jefferson. Members of the State of Jefferson movement also backed Mahdi's ouster. The separatist group calls for northern conservative counties to break away from the deep blue California to form a new state. It has been promoted by Representative uh, Doug LaMalfa, the Republican congressman representing Shasta County, who has conducted virtual meetings with the state of Jefferson flag behind him. Oh, the horror. The state of Jefferson's central focus on secession is not an inherently extremist idea, said Rachel Goldwasser, a research analyst with the Southern Poverty Law Center. Wow which monitors hate groups and extremists and people they make up and claim are hate boots and hate groups and extremists. Uh, but the movement in recent years has become increasingly conspiratorial and aligned with militia groups that do tend toward anti-government extremism. I don't know if I want to read the rest of this. I and mean, it's probably not reading the rest of this. Um, But I still, there's a ray of hope here, right? Um, Here, I'll read the very end. They're going to try and taint the money again. I get the feeling without the money, it wouldn't be a big deal, said Rasher, the local political science professor. Uh, How much the recall will actually shift politics in Shasta County or send tremors throughout the state remains to be seen. The two men most likely to replace Mahdi, Dale Ball. A construction superintendent and Tim Garman, a local school board member, campaigned on messages of liberty and freedom, particularly from COVID-19 mandates, but are not thought to be militia members themselves. Well, that's good. Wouldn't want that. As of Friday, Garmin was leading a recall field of four with 2,315 votes, or 37.85% of the vote, about 125 votes ahead of ball. Neither man responded to a request for comment. Still, Goldwasser said... They relied on support from extremist factions. They may feel they owe this election and their spots to these groups. And in that case, I think there's a concern over some level of quid pro quo and opening doors to these groups. She said, That's extremely concerning. Wait, is she an extremist? Is she extremely concerned? I I she said it's she said she's extremely concerned. So Goldwasser needs to go put herself on the SPLC hate group list for being an extremist. Anyway, I look, I don't don't think the whole article is worth reading, but it is a a, I thought it was a little bit of a ray of hope that there are I think this, you know, if this can happen in California, it's likely happening elsewhere. I mean, I don't know what's going on everywhere else in the country, but if if this can happen in California, it's likely happening elsewhere. And uh, and that's great. That's great. Uh, I, I mean, real secession would be the best if possible, but it starts with this stuff. It starts with counties saying they want us to secede. it. It starts with local elections. It starts with people uh, getting into positions of, of local authority where they say, yeah, we don't want to be part of this. That's where it starts. So. <sighs> All right. Well, thank you guys for watching uh, and being a part of this and participating in chat. Um, before we wrap up tonight, I just have one, okay, I have a, I have a quick question, something I'm going to ask you guys to think about. Um, I've been thinking about breaking up dangerous thoughts into smaller chunks cause they tend to be long and like, maybe I should do like a couple half hour shows instead of one hour, you know, well, this is an hour and a half, this show. So maybe I should have made it, um, break it up into chunks. I do like going, doing deep dives on stuff and that just takes time. Um, So I don't know how much you guys, I mean, obviously everyone who's here stuck around for the whole time. So uh, if you're biased, but let me know if you think I should break this up into smaller things or do do little bits um, throughout the week, probably wouldn't be live. Um, Anyway, as a reminder, I assume you're subscribed if you're watching. So thank you for subscribing. Please help grow the unsafe space community, um, your community by sharing this video. Shout out to everyone who supports us financially You can go to unsafe space.com to do it yourself and get on our Discord server. And uh, as always, I appreciate suggestions, um, feedback, all that kind of stuff. So um, have a good night, everyone. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there.
1: Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been approved by Neil Young. Please consider cancelling the responsible parties. Here's a list. Do you know what's fascist? Windruckers refuse to deliver products to the ruling class. That's what the dictionary says. I swear. The continued war on drugs will require the distribution of free crack pipes. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific.